It is Youth Month, uh, this month of June, and uh, tonight our thought leader on this Thursday is the Executive Chairman of the SA Youth Economic Council, Bonga Makanya, is my guest. Uh, he is an economics graduate from the University of Witwatersrand, and uh, currently studying for, towards his honours at the same university is the uh, executive chair of uh, the Youth Economic Council and uh, also a former executive secretary of the WITS Rethinking Economics for Africa Society, public intellectual who has and continues to write analysis on many areas uh, in our economy and he's our guest tonight uh, joining us here in studio. Makanya, good morning. Hey, I'm good, man. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Let me see. Let me get you on the right mic there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I can hear you now. So, so let's maybe start off here, Bonga. Where did it all start for Bonga? Before we get into the very messy things of the unfinished business of uh, this process that we're in. Uh, my journey starts in 2018. So, my so, journey starts in 2018 when I eventually come to Vets after matric. Sure, sure. Um, and I knew it was. I knew I just had to be in Johannesburg. The city of gold, um, you know, what brought me to it specifically was having followed the FISMAS 4 protests um, and having a, a passion for politics in general. I was like, this is the place I need to be. And coming to Vitz in 2018, meeting comrades, student politics, mm. um, you get conscientized into all the issues besides just what you're studying, which sure. is economics. And um, from there, it's just been a, a, a wild journey of just learning, engaging with different people, crossing paths with fantastic mm. people. So, yeah, that's where my journey begins. I think um, that's where I'd like to... to sure, yeah. sure. And the SA Youth Economic Council, the genesis of that, how, how did that come into play? So, the South African Youth Economic Council is founded last year. We had a, a, an event at the Constitution Hill where we brought together activists, student leaders, business, government, um, and at that time, um, some of our friends were in, were in the SRC adverts, and we held something called the Youth Summit, which mm. was the coming together of young leaders um, to discuss our issues together with private players, governments, and see what some of the solutions can be. And from that uh, Youth Summit that we, we, we hosted, it was then agreed upon that we should form an, a structure, mm. an official structure that will look at the day-to-day runnings of how can we improve the livelihoods of young people as it relates to the economy sure, sure. and this structure would then actively lobby for the inclusion of young mm. South Africans the mainstream economy engage with big business engage with the government um, on a day-to-day basis and not just once a year which is youth month sure, sure. so from that summit then we got that mandate to to form this official structure and from there I think we've started off with a with a with a bang, and I think it's been quite exciting. Mm. You know, it's taken us to to places that in a, such a short space of time that I wouldn't think um, was, was possible. But yeah, that was that was the genesis. It was creating yeah. a structure that fights or advocates for the inclusion of young South Africans into the mainstream economy. It's clear, Bonga, something's wrong there, right? Um, with uh, the participation. Uh, of young people in the economy. Um, you know, we often talk about this idea of uh, young people not turning out to vote. But also in many instances, if you look at the quarterly labor force survey data, many young people are also opting out of the labor market or, or going out and searching for work. Mm. Um, I mean, with with the work that you guys do, what are some of the issues that you're seeing from your unique vantage point as young people insofar as how the economy is structured that continues to reproduce this exclusion of young people in the economy? 
Well, I think firstly, it's the despondency among young South Africans that the system simply doesn't work for them. Sure. And therefore, they feel not a need to want to even look for work or participate in, uh, you know, through our political systems. I mean, you hear people all the time saying, yeah, but do young people participate in legislative processes and voting, things like that? And simply said, why would anyone want to actively try to participate when Mm. time and time again the system has failed them. So one, it's the despondency levels amongst young South Africans that don't feel a part of the system, don't feel like any of these things are, are, are there for them to take. Two, you have a government and leaders who speak about youth inclusion, speak Mm. about youth participation, but when it comes to the real tangible outcomes and the real tangible deliverables, they don't actually follow through on them. Mm. How many um, successful black businessmen in this country actually empower other young SMMEs and, 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 and take them under their wing and invest in them financially how many big corporates invest in small businesses by giving them opportunities to showcase themselves um, and entrusting them with responsibility so when it comes to trusting people with business trusting people with responsibility um, you know the established organizations tend not to trust young people so Mm. one is the despondency levels Two, it's the following through from from our leaders in terms of empowering young people. It's always lip service or at a surface level that they discuss, no, we should include young people. But when you look at the real measurements or real economic outcomes, you find that it's little close to none in terms of them being serious about actually trusting you with responsibility, Mm. economically that is. What do you make of the institutions, though, that have been set up ostensibly to develop young people, right? And it's not only the at a national level, say, an NYDA, mm. but if you go to every municipality in this country, they will have in the office of the mayor or whatever a youth desk. Yeah. Or, you know, you go into uh, the private sector and all of them have somebody who is there representing the plight of young people. What do you make of how effective those institutions have been in not only making sure that while some of them have opened the door, but that that door remains open, remains ajar for a much wider scale of impact for young people. Well, I think it's kind of twofold. One, the National Youth Development Agency, for example, remains largely underfunded, which repla- which kind of ties back into what I was say- saying earlier, that when it comes to real economic outcomes, the state shows no intent to actually meaningfully empower youth-owned entities and youth-owned institutions, even within their own scope. The NYD has a budget of about 800 million rand or 900 million rand, and it's meant to service close to 3 million people. I think if you do the math, you'll see that it's, it's, it's almost less than 100 rand per young person in real economic terms. Mm. Now, how can such an important and critical institution entrusted with so much responsibility get given so little resources to actually make a tangible impact? Mm. So that's one end. The, the government that sets up these youth directors, the NYDA and youth structures that are meant to empower young South Africans actually don't have a lot of resources at their disposal. They're doing the best they can under the conditions. You'll hear the CEO of the NIDA saying time and time again that for them, it's a success when they've rolled out 10,000 rand grants to micro-businesses, mm. um, and that's their metric. And you ask yourself, what is a 10,000 rand grant going to do for a, a youth on SME looking to scale up, for example? Sure, sure. Young people have not been entrusted with responsibilities of, st- of strategic areas of the economy, such as mining, ICT, um, tech, construction, where really you are given by the IDC, for example, a 100 million rand loan to go and start up your, your, your business. You have the expertise, but 
you will not see that happening. You won't see a youth directorate trusting people by investing so much resources into into young people. Two, which is way more a bit controversial, is the highly the highly politicizing these structures. When you look at the youth directorates and and even the NIDH to a certain extent, you find that there's a close relationship between um, having political affiliation towards the ANC mm. and uh, these institutions working for you. So someone who does, who's not aware of uh, the ANC Youth League or any structures of the ANC you'll find that they don't benefit from these structures. You'll find that the people that actually benefit are those that are associated with political principles, um, which is the mayor or councillors or whatever, so on and so forth. So there seems to be a direct relationship with your political affiliation and these systems working for you. You find that a lot of people that benefit from these youth structures at a municipal level, even at a national level, have strong ties with the ANC. So we need to move away from mm. um, creating these structures and making them only work for... And that's true for all stru- um, stru- uh, uh, levels of the of the economy and levels of institutions in this country. The closer you are to or to political affiliation with the ANC, the more these structures tend to 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 benefit or work for you so one like i would have said it's it's really really actually empowering these institutions to contribute meaningfully Mm. and not just it being a budget ticking exercise which it's been reduced to over the years but Mm. two removing the politicization of these institutions and making them work for ordinary south africans I guess a very interesting point you make, and I think um, I want to maybe just unpack the politics of it, because I think it, it makes for a very good leap from that to questions of policy aimed at really getting more and more young people into work or into meaningful economic participation. The first is, if you look at the political institutions... Uh, across the party political spectrum, and just, you know, you've mentioned the NYDA as but one... And you compare them globally. I mean, I, I often get shocked when they talk about SRCs in the United Kingdom. You know, these are entities that hold massive sway, hold marshal massive resources themselves outside of this reliance, I guess, here in South Africa on a system where management allocates your resources and does all of those things. And that could be extended, I guess, to many other political institutions overseen and run and operated by young people. Where are we missing it? Um, numerically, we're a majority, but it just seems that even in so far as how we bargain with much older people in the political and economic realm, uh, that that doesn't come into play. So where we're missing it, and I remember watching an interview with Tolim Gambi with youth leaders from various political formations, and he mm. asked a similar question. I think it's dissociating from political formations, like you're saying, with a majority. But we come, we become fragmented sure. when you have EFF Student Command, you have the ANC Youth League, you have DASO, and you have maybe youth structures from other political parties content with, um, you know, making it through those structures and not necessarily forming a unified structure that can, um, you know, unify young South Africans behind one banner. Mm. I mean, if you were to form a youth political party, for an example, you'd probably get quite a few seats in parliament, but there's no political will amongst um, youth leaders to form their own, um, you know, structures and and formations Mm. outside of their political principles. For their own areas of common interest. For their own areas of Mm. common interest. And that's why I think the closest thing we had to that was actually Fees Must Fall. Sure. Where even though people were wearing their political badges, 
um, your Vuani Pambos, your Mzabu Jaminis, your Shaira Colors, they unified young people or students in particular mm. behind a common um, agenda. And I think we need to move towards and gravitate towards that type of politics, especially in the youth space, mm. and move away. But unfortunately, your upward mobility is linked to your relationship with elders. Sure. Even when you look in the EFF student command, people will testify all the time and say the people who um, you know emerge and put get put on to become members of parliament um, for the EFF have very good relationships with the senior leadership of the, mm. of the organization. It's like that everywhere. Sure. You can't even in corporate, by the way. Even in yeah. corporate, you know. So there there tends to be an over reliance on elders because. It also comes with your upward mobility mm. and your ability to get resources. But if we were to dissociate from that, I think you could form a very, very powerful sure. structure that can take these elders head yeah. on. Because, like you're saying, we're the majority. So I don't understand why there's always an over reliance mm. on, on 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 trying to you know move with uh, those people. Yeah. From politics to policy, we've got a youth employment tax incentive. We've got mechanisms that are aimed at getting young people into work. Uh, even at Nabo Bafilisha is Z83 form. Uh, right up to, you know, even the EPWP, I think, phase four requires 55% of participants to be under the age of 35. Very few provinces have met that particular target. It seems the scaffolding is there, but things aren't moving. Things aren't moving at a policy level because we still have very regressive policymakers mm. that believe in outdated 1960-1970 models of how to grow a developmental economy. For one, the austerity measures that we've seen from Treasury have trickled down to even your own studio, for example, at SABC and various um, state-owned institutions. So we need to move away from the idea of austerity one because that impacts um, you know regressively in other areas of the economy mm. and in other uh, states or institutions because what you what what you start to see with austerity is that it damages livelihoods and it's mm. not just um, when treasury cuts spending that you, you know and trying to appease international markets international investors that even you see that the output begins to fall and and it ends up trickling right into where people feel it the most. Mm. So I think for me, that's always the starting point and that's, all, that's where we get it wrong initially, the austerity. Mm. Mm. And I guess, I mean, you, you know, uh, in the student movement, successive generations have always raised this insofar as, you know, the funding of higher education is concerned and, um, and many of those issues. Maybe just the last one, Bonga. I, I'm quite interested, I guess, in your thoughts, just a psych. If you were to think through, just with the two minutes that we have now, an economy for 2050, what features would distinguish that economy and make it different to where we are now? I think one, if South Africa is serious about growing this economy and um, you know, changing the lives of ordinary people, we would have to move towards state ownership of the strategic areas of the economy. Sure. Capacitate the states, make sure that you have... Um, people who are committed, that are young, that are educated to run credible state-owned institutions that play a developmental, a developmental role and not a market fundamentalist role, which we're seeing now, where you have state-owned mining companies, state-owned banks, um, you know, that are aimed directly at job creation, at skills development mm. and all those type of things. Why do you need that? Because when you have a market fundamentalist economy, which we have right now, you see that a lot of people are left out of the levers of the commanding heights of the economy and are constantly reduced to 
you know, being, uh, you know, sellers of labor to the, me- to the means of production as opposed to the owners and become, becoming exploited in the process. So, one, we need to move towards, you know, a socialist, um, you know, state where the state owns the means of production so that um, you can really bridge the gap of inequality, which we mm. would be seeing as being quite heavy, um, you know, in this African case study, mm. because we have and sure. those that don't have com- continue to not have. And the only way you can change that is through state participation, mm. because you reduce those levels of, of um, inequality. You start seeing education becoming more of a public good than than than, than an expense for, for our fiscus. Um, and you start seeing the state taking care of its people, as opposed to seeing them as just people that can offer the services of labor to the means of production. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I mean, the, the other thing, just to, to your comment there, is often people always assume that when, when you talk about state intervention that there's no scope for the private market. And, and my understanding, I guess, of socialism, which is what you're suggesting, is that at some stage you probably are going to have a private sector. I mean, it's, it's an arrangement where there's mixed forms of ownership in, in an economy. Uh, but the idea is that you, you have to meet people's basic needs and, and, and sometimes feels in this country that the basic needs, especially of young people, just that cohort between 15, for me, and maybe even 40, um, are sometimes, you know, uh, either relegated to the margins or not met at all. Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, obviously, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if it's Stephen Costa from the investor who coined the term private-public partnership or mm. something like that. So whatever creative way that you, 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 you come up to describe the symbiotic relationship between the states and the private sector will always be there. Mm. Even, in, even in countries that have really done well in terms of development, the um, Asian tigers, you see that there is a role for the private sector mm. to play. However, you mustn't make it as the main form of ownership where sure. you have capitalism in private hands because then you continue to see the deep exploitation of black people in particular for this country. Mm. Um, so really, South Africa needs to move towards um, state ownership of the means of production that takes care of its people and that not one which seeks to exploit workers as we see right now. Swipe and save extra with Checkers Liquor Shop. Like two six packs of 340ml Carling Black Label beer for only 125 Rand. Save 35 Rand. Offer valid until 9 June at Checkers Liquor Shop or online at liquorshop.co.za. Not for persons under the age of 18. Drink responsibly. Whether you're a student, looking for work, or newly employed, saving for your retirement is a vital part of securing your financial future. That's why Momentum Corporate would like to empower you with the knowledge that you need to understand your employee benefits. Visit employeebenefitsexplained.co.za. Complex terms are explained in simple words to empower you to make informed decisions with regards to employee benefits that benefit you. Momentum Corporate, here for your journey to success. Momentum Metropolitan Life Limited is an authorized financial services provider. Oh, yeah. Pretoria, the capital. We've got you covered. 92.4 FM. It's where you're at. It is indeed where you're at, and uh, we wrap up our discussion with our thought leader on this Thursday, Bonga Makanya, Executive Chairman at the SA Youth Economic Council, and uh, yeah, unpacking, I guess, some of the concerns uh, in uh, you know foregrounding just the primacy of private ownership as the only form uh, of ownership and uh, calling for more state participation there. Uh, maybe just as a last one, I guess, if you could just share with us some of the, your activities. I, I know you guys at Psych have been very, very busy. I've bumped into you in many places. Um, talk to me about some of the stuff that you've done and more importantly how many of the young people who are listening to us tonight can get involved in some of your work. 
Yeah. So, um, like I said, I mean, for us, really, it's all about how can we include young South Africans in the mainstream economy, whether it's through mass job creation or it's through ownership of strategic areas of the economy. Mm. Um, and the first, you know, one of the first events we did was in Jan with the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, where we discussed the energy just transition mm. and where young people can feature in terms of businesses and, and opportunities for them. We were joined by um, the CEO of Seriti, um, the managing director of Menar, and obviously the minister. And then we had owners of um, SMMEs in the mining space who came there and, and contributed to that discussion. Um, and it was more of a networking session mm. and, and, and discussing some of the opportunities in that space. Um, and recently, um, not so long ago, we had a jobs in Bezo in Cape Town with the executive mayor of Cape Town, Gordon Hill Lewis, Huawei, the NYTA. We were bringing together the private sector, government mm. um, and the youth to come and discuss where are the low hanging fruits in terms of job creation? What are the jobs of the future? What, what are some of the areas that we need to improve on to, to, to kind of, you know, get young people employed? Sure. Um, and I think the minister also joined us for that session. Um, and now, as we go into Youth Month, I think for us, it's also to create further opportunities for, for youth-owned businesses. And we will be having a corporate um, gala dinner with um, Nolita Fagute, the chair of Anglo-America, mm. CEO of MTN, um, you know, the CEO of the Central Energy Fund, as well as I think there's about three cabinet ministers joining us there as well. Sure, so sure. for us, it's about creating platforms where young people can come and network with, you know, high, high level individuals who are the decision making mm. uh, structures where we can take a youth owned um, contract mining company to Nolita and say, what is Anglo doing? How many youth owned SMMEs are you guys sure. empowering in your value chain? Um, here, here they are in front of you. And these are the opportunities that mm. they want. So you create this bridge, basically. Yeah? You create this bridge mm. where youth owned SMMEs can go to big business and say, these are the services that we offer. And this is how we want to participate with you going forward. Um, and I think even the IDC CEO is going to be there. So sure. for us as well, funding has been a, a huge challenge. Mm. So if we can take the CEO of IDC to an Ayabonga who owns an SMME in the hospitality sector and say, this person has been knocking on your door sure. for so long, sure. wanting funding. These are the areas of opportunities. Here's a long hanging fruit. Mm. Please help them out. So, that, and then um, I think on the second day on June 16, there'll be a skills symposium with the UJVC uh, Prof Marwala and um, the Minister of Higher Education to discuss mm. some of the skills that will be needed for um, the future economy and just you know creating a workshop where young people can sure, educate sure. themselves on on where they need to go in terms of skills okay. development. So, I think, but more than that, more. Uh, mm. Bonga, let's wrap it up there because so I think what I what I need us to do is how can we get people to participate in that where can they get a hold of yourselves so they can check out our website www.psych.co.za sure. check out our Instagram page our Twitter page as well as um, you know public platforms like radio TV sure. we tend to make a bit of public commentary there on our events Okay. Um, but yeah social media and also um, you know traditional media platforms they can find us there okay Here's somebody uh, in our voice notes who just got a message for you. I just want to just comment on that guy who was talking about uh, uh, economic uh, transformation here in the country. I just want to just, it's me in Tekelela from Kobecha. Basically, there's a, there's a website called superprof.co.za. It gives you all the tutors for university. For example, if you want to be tutored by a tutor at university, you go on that website. 
and you go on on online tutor you get an online tutor from there and basically uh it's such a good way if if we could implement this as a government and the government could employ these tutors to tutor uh what you call it people in the in the universities and at school level and give them a salary and also basically uh, encourage entrepreneurship, just like the, that guy says, encourage entrepreneurship here in the country, and then that entrepreneurship will absorb all those students graduating from university, and then basically our economy will grow, eh? Just like that, uh, Ayabonga. And basically that's my that's my two cents worth. Basically the, the website is superprof, which is S-U-P-R-O-F dot C-O dot Z-A. Just, if everyone could just try and go to that uh, website. It's got all the tutors. They got all the credentials and everything there. So yeah, Mr. Ebonga, uh, thank you so much for such a great production. Thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot, Ntsigalelo. Um Yeah, Bonga. I mean, I guess aside from Ntsigalelo plugging the website there, um, I think there is massive scope. I mean, the future of work has changed, um, or the world of work has changed. And I think what he's making mention of there are the opportunities for what is called micro work or you know digital jobbing. Uh, just your thoughts on that, and I guess how um, our education system can also be aligned to those new forms of work or livelihood opportunity, which coexist with some of the other stuff that people are doing. Yeah, I think I think it's quite important for young people to find creative ways in which they can participate, especially in the digital economy, which we're seeing is is becoming a, a, a huge trend now. Hmm. Um, finding ways to make money online, whether they are even in the beauty space where they influence it, I think government really needs to play a role in sure. supporting those people, funding those people, actually even putting them onto their their value chain hmm. in terms of procurement and all sorts of things. Because I think with the basic education, it's been kind of like stuck in the same position for for many years. Yeah. But I think once that basic education can move towards Accommodating mm. uh, things like online tutors, like he's referring to, you like to actually see quite a bit of um, entrepreneurs, especially in the digital economy, becoming yeah. empowered. You know, becoming formalized into to adapt mm. to to the new trends that are happening in the digital economy. I think it's an important space sure. and one that actually doesn't need that much um, skills in terms of um, formal education mm. or Anyone, massive startup capital. Or massive startup. Yeah, you just yeah. need a phone and some Wi-Fi or some data. Sure. And I think there's a lot of infrastructure that they can actually invest in in the uh, digital infrastructure that the government mm. can actually invest in that mm. can see the growth of that space. Sure. Um, I think I think as a country, Thailand. Or, or in the in in Asia that are doing mm. quite well in in that space of yeah, employing yeah. a lot of people through the digital economy. Sure, so sure. I think it's, it's it's a great way to to get our pe- young people involved. Well, I want us to pause there on that point, and I guess it's uh, related to that one. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, I want us to talk about this issue of infrastructure, because even the economic reconstruction and recovery plan talks about infrastructures like the flywheel of the reconstruction and recovery, right? Uh, and that's anything from like ICT infrastructure, which you've mentioned, to like roads. And I guess there's two opportunities there. The one is while the stuff is being built for all of these SMMEs operated by young people. But the other is what can potentially be enabled by that. I mean, what does a new road where there was no road before enable insofar as the businesses of young people are concerned? And we'll talk about that on the other side of this. Ladies, I won the lotto. Z, you can't tell people. They'll all want some of your money. Oh, I'm first on the yacht. Whoa, 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 hold your seahorses. I only won 200 bucks. That's perfect. 
for another round. Yes. <laughs> Every win deserves a celebration. LaRue. Just celebrate. Not for persons under the age of 18. It's time to lift them up and throw down. EFC returns this Saturday with thrilling fights featuring the best of African MMA. The show is headlined by the highly anticipated title fight as champion Sindile, the ghost Menengela, puts his belt on the line against Strika Supwasi's young protege, the rising phenom Cameron Simon. EFC 94 live this Saturday. Watch it on SABC Sport Channel on Open View 124 from 6 p.m. Brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. Do you need money urgently? Get a loan from us, but only if you visit our website and give us all your info. Then we say we'll call you, but we'll text you instead. Anyway, you'll have to fax your info again, and then you can have your loan, but only after 48 hours. <gasps> That's not simple. In 15 minutes, you could secure a direct access loan of up to 200,000 Rand, no matter who you bank with. Because everything happens online, there's no waiting, no waste of time. Simple loans, better service. Visit directaccess.coza. Terms and conditions apply. Direct Access is a business unit of First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Thought Leader Thursday. We gon' get them. Thought Leader Thursday. What I'm saying, we have a responsibility, a social responsibility, and that's what's not being talked about. We have a responsibility as people in society, not people above society or away from society, who people are hipper than society, you know what I mean? But people in society whose job is to articulate life and to try to transform it. That's what I'm saying. It's Thought Leader Thursday. Metro. With Ayobonga Kawe. Seven minutes it is before 9 p.m. It's our Thought Leader Thursday segment uh, here on Metro FM Talk. And I'm joined by Bonga Makanya, uh, who is uh, executive chairman of the South African Youth Economic Council. We're talking to him about uh, the uh, economic tasks that confront young people as uh, we try and uh, make sure that uh, the mainstream economy and every part of the economy is uh, open to young people. Uh, and as I said, very much a numerical majority, but I think for... When the dynamics of power are concerned, um, probably not as central as the, that numerical majority might suggest. Now, Bonga, just before we into the break, I guess I'm kind of foregrounded what the other area I'm, I'm quite interested in, in unpacking here. And it's in relation to all of the things that we see. We live very much in a moment of pers- persistent crises, right? You move from one crisis to the next. I mean, um, I remember when I got to Vitz, it was just after the 2008-9 financial crisis. And people made very big, like, yes, next thing since the Great Depression. And then we saw all manner of other crises coming in short succession. COVID, the riots, the floods now. Um, As young people, your thoughts on how the economic policy environment is responding to the demands that the crisis is placing on the South African economy. And by extension, the implication that that has on the participation of young people in the economy. Yeah, I just think the the you know the policy is not there in terms of dealing with the infrastructure demands. Um, I mean, something I'm I'm quite passionate about, for example, is is saying that um, there are a lot of youth-owned SMMEs that have for an interest in, in participating in the construction sector, for sure. example. But there's no policy that speaks to that. 
there's no policy at a, at a provincial or national level that says how can we support young people that want to see themselves as owners of the means of production and construction or any sp- mm. or any space of, of of the economy. We just saw now the procurement bill that was slashed by the the Cotton Court, yeah, yeah, yeah. which to some degree limits um, you know the the the, the different departments and how they can procure goods and services. If it didn't limit them, you. A government entity can literally come and say, um, because out of 10 projects that will come out of the department, four of them must be given to youth-owned SMMPs. Mm. Those are all the type of things that we should be seeing on paper that is legislated to support youth-owned SMMPs when it comes to infrastructure development so that people that have trucks, for example, there's a lot of there's a growing yeah. trend now. It's a micro trend that I've seen in Durban where young people are, are, are taking buckies and they want to um, form part of the logistics sector by, mm. um, you know, tree felling or whatever, and then they, they, they transport around. Those are the initiatives that government should be supporting, but at a more meaningful level sure. where they say for every ten, every rand that goes out, four, uh, 40 cents of that must go to spending towards young people. But we don't see that at a policy level, and then obviously you're not going to see that at implementation level. So, But the crisis again, you don't have innovative uh, thinkers inside government. Mm. You have people that come there that see the legislation as it is, that see the policies as it is, but don't want to take it forward in terms of adapting to the current challenges and the crises that we face, Mm. which I think for me is a challenge of how do you make active this large group of people that are inactive yeah. you know how do you what skills must we give them they don't if you were to engage any of these people they would not know how they're going to come mm. out of this challenge and then that affects policy because Ish, you see a redundant cycle of just old uh, you know, repetition just on that point of the skills issue you know i, I used to always think hey, we've got a massive skills shortage and issue right until we did a study a few years ago where we found the number of young people who had part qualifications, right? So this is somebody who's in a TVET college or artisanal space, cannot complete their qualification because they can't get that experiential or practical part of their qualification. And that is because, firstly, there's massive deindustrialization that's happening. And so even the universe of jobs that could potentially absorb them has become smaller. But even of those you know, firms that ideally should be giving them that experience, many opt not to do so. Um, what are some of the things, I guess, that could be done, not just at a policy level, but even in terms of mobilization of society broadly behind these things to, to sort that out? I mean, the numbers were startling. We say we don't have artisans, but hey, a lot of these artisans are just chilling, waiting for an opportunity to just finish their qualifications. I think we need bold leadership, um, especially at a government level. That's why, for example, I'm, I'm always, um, you know, not admiring, but praising someone like um, Mr. Mandashi, Kwede Mandashi, in terms of how he forces the hand of the private sector to play its role in, in the state's developmental agenda. Why do I say this? The South African economy is sitting on huge liquidity levels in mm. terms of financial resources that it has sitting that waiting to be deployed, but it's not. The banks have so much money that they can lend out to SMMEs, they can lend out to... And they showed us Abana interest. And they have no interest mm. to do that whatsoever. It's the same thing with these big corporates. People always say the South African economy is not conducive for business to thrive. Mm. You go on the JSC, you find so many of these companies that record profits every single year with huge assets, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they don't reinvest into creating more, um, you know, more branches or mm. more stores or whatever. Mm. 
the money goes back to, to, to shareholders in the form of dividends instead of being redeployed into creating employment. So the artisans that you're talking about that are sitting at home with the skills are being let down by what I would say the private sector. Mm. The states must then create legislature which forces them to not sure. sit on this uh, liquidity level. I think Utsabonpegi speaks passionately about this issue and says that, um, no, the private sector is scared of that South Africa is going to be another failed African mm. state. So that's why they risk averse and they don't want to reinvest. But how are they risk averse when they record so many, so much profit year yeah, in on year yeah. out? So for me, we need bold leadership. Mm. We need a Ramaphosa that says to the private sector, if you want to continue to operate in our economy, sure. you must reinvest this percentage of profits that you record every year and you can't just sit on it. Let me complicate that or maybe challenge you a little bit. I, th- I also think we need the same from our public enterprises because there's a seeming investment strike. So if you look at how much capital has been deployed in the last decade, by Sanral, Transnet, ESCOM, maybe take out ESCOM because they've had a build program that's massive. You know, it doesn't happen every decade or whatever. But if you take Sanral, Waterboards, Transnet, all of these guys, Prasa, and you look at their capital budgets and how much of those have actually been spent, and that's money from you and me. It's not shareholders' money or whatever. I think that for me is the other part of the problem. That we can, I want SOCs as much as anybody else, but. I want SOCs that also have a very credible and clear investment program. Uh, and it's just concerning that it seems the investment strike is also in the public sector as well. It's crazy. I read that the Northwest government returned about <laughs> 7 billion rand to Treasury or something like that. So we have a huge crisis sure. of public entities that also have huge liquidity levels mm. that go back to Treasury at the end of the financial year. So I think, like again, you need young, dynamic people into these SOEs that have sure. clear plans on how to deploy this capital so that, when, so that we don't have a situation where the money has to go back to Treasury because they failed to use it. Mm. And unfortunately, even now, the IDC is sitting on huge liquidity levels and they are failing to find um, institutions or companies that they can invest in. They're mm. always returning money back. They're always investing in... Th- I mean, there was that Mara cell phone company that they invested in in Durban, um, which has just recently gone down. So not only do we have an issue of uh, of the money going back, but we also have an issue of these SOEs actually deploying in, uh, investments and resources into very, very uh, useless uh, Vanity projects. Yeah, so mm. there's a, with our issues are multi-pronged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, let's see, let's see if we can't sneak in a last voice note before we wrap up. Uh, uh, my friend Moji, I think, is on his way. Uh, so uh, we'll have to quickly just take a look at that. Let's sneak in this last voice note. Yeah, Obongo, you know what? I think I'm coming oh, up oh, no, no. for so many times, you know. I think that equation that I said to you, that, that uh, GDP equation, which is CRG NX, where basically the government spending, uh, basically where uh, if we, the economy gets employed, employs people in it, just like I just told you right now about the kids graduating from university, and then they contribute to the economy. Basically, they pay more taxes if they if they get good jobs, as in like uh, accountants, engineers, uh, what you call it, lawyers, or whatever it may be, like high class jobs. They're going to have more money to spend on consumption, and they're going to have more money to spend on taxes. That's going to increase the GDP, and that's also going to increase what mm. you call it. 
the taxes for the government to, so that they can spend on roads, so that they can spend on schools, uh, hospitals, ETC, like uh, even skyscrapers for each and every single city around the country. Yeah, thank you so much, Nsigalelo, for that comment. And I think um, maybe just the last one, Bonga, I mean, I, I think his point is very good, uh, that um, you're not going to get the levels of taxable incomes that you're looking for across the society if you don't get people into gainful training, skilling and earning opportunities. Um, and you're not going to have any big enough consumer market as long as we have this kind of inequality and mass unemployment. Just some closing remarks from yourself. Yeah, no, that's certainly true. I think you do need to invest in education. I think, again, South Africa needs to implement free higher education and increase the capacity of basic education. Mm. Because for now, uh, the levels of unskilled labor is is absolutely shocking in terms of the fact that you have a large number of people sitting at home Mm. who are actually unemployable. Because they don't have the right exactly. skills, yeah. um, and it's not necessarily their fault. They were let down by the basic education system, where people leave at like grade nine, grade ten, and they feel like the education system is not sure. for them, sure. and they and then ended up resulting to criminality, mm. drug abuse, and all sorts of things. So for 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 me, South Africa needs to invest sure. in ba- quality basic education, as well as investing in um, even better high education, so that we create a skilled labor force that can sure. contribute, earn money, okay. and obviously then uh, collect taxes from those people. Bonga, we'll have to leave it there. I hope we've certainly been a good curtain raiser for the gentleman who just walked in, Mo G.